I'm Robin Swift, president of the Servant Leadership Institute, and today we have a pretty awesome human being in the studio with us, our very own emerging leader, Brian Malinsky. Hi, how's it going? It's going great, Brian. So happy to have you here. You're not only our producer of our podcast program, but you serve as our digital media specialist. So all of our social media and graphics and all the beautiful things you see from SLI comes from our very own Brian. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's fun stuff. Yeah, it's really fun, and, and we love having you here, and we thought it'd be super cool for you to really share your story, um, because you are an emerging servant leader, a great one, I must say, and we want to hear more about you and just how it's gone for you over the past four years, and um, we're going to look at what you've gone through during that time, including a near-death experience um, requiring open-heart surgery which radically shifted, you know, your life path. Mm -hmm. So we want to hear more about that, of course. And then just the learning points that you've gathered over the years of of being here, working closely with Art, Mm -hmm. you know, our uh, very own founder and CEO and and Carol and all the team here. So um, lots to learn. I think the audience is going to enjoy hearing this. So let's get started here and just maybe share how how you got introduced to servant leadership. Yeah, so... um... So my mom actually works for SLI as well, and and she had been working there for a few years. And during that time, I was working at many different companies, um, kind of just starting out my career path. And um, a uh, a need was uh, was there at SLI for someone to really start capturing video and uh, helping out with their you know digital marketing and things like that. Um, You guys were doing a lot of events at the time. And I was invited to go to one of the, one of your guys' initial events, you were sponsoring LeaderCast. And I was able to go there and um, kind of survey what was going on, capture with uh, photos and video a little bit. And that was my first time, um, you know, being introduced to the Servant Leadership Institute and what you guys um, do and, and try and help people with. And my first introduction into servant leadership as a concept. So it was super informative and just like this crash course, uh, even initially. I mean, it was my first leadership, you know, uh, uh, event that I had ever been to. Um, And, you know, uh, yeah, I learned a lot there. And then it kind of just grew. There There was more need for more, you know, digital content. You guys wanted to spread the word of servant leadership as we continue to do. And, um, and I just have kind of been, you know, traveling along and trying to grow with the company and and um, we've been able to do a whole lot of really really cool things absolutely so. and that traveling along just that picture is so true isn't it because yes. you don't know quite what you're getting into yeah definitely. <laughs> I didn't know a lot about servant leadership when I started here eight years ago yeah and so that traveling along pieces just starts opening you up to new ideas and that mindset shift yeah definitely which, like you said, maybe being at LeaderCast, hearing a lot of 
servant leadership type of language. Not everybody uses that. Transformational and different terms are used, but that seems like it kind of got your attention and part of you was like, hey, this this is resonating with me. This is kind of who I am. And it it starts kind of making more sense as you travel along. Yeah, definitely. I think another big thing with it is, um, you know, like any new concept that you get introduced to, there's a certain amount of skepticism that you end up having. Of course. And you end up wondering, okay, this all sounds wonderful, but is this just a sales technique to kind of, is there, is there actual any weight with this? And, and with that weight, is there, is, does this actually work? Can, can this actually be implemented? And, and, and the answer was that, that it can, and it is. Um, and, you know, through my introduction into servant leadership, I then got validation through understanding all of the companies that are currently have implemented and structured their entire companies, very successful companies like Starbucks and Nordstrom's and, you know, uh, Chick-fil-A and um, Popeye's, all these companies uh, are servant-led companies at their root. And they believe in in serving others first. And, and that, that was really validating for me to understand that it's not this, it's not this theoretical concept. And it's not something that is unattainable. It's something that we can all strive to. And through these very tactical, very, um, you know, uh, well thought out, implemented, you know, processes, you can get there too. Exactly. And I think that skepticism is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, We never push servant leadership on anyone. You have to try it on through the practice. Yes. We talk about our nine behaviors of a servant leader, but just taking a stab at it. Try it. Try it. It mm-hmm. may work for you. It may not. And it's okay to have that skepticism. I think that's a good thing. Don't mm-hmm. just feel like, oh, this is what I've got to start doing. Because if it doesn't come from that right place, if it doesn't come from your heart, it's just not going to be right. <laughs> just yeah. that kind of inside outside job. So, you know, one of the things as a new hire, so let's rewind back to four years ago mm-hmm. when you started. Um, our new hires go through servant leadership training at some point when there's mm-hmm. a certain amount of people um, that we we uh, began this level one, if you will. Um, tell us a bit about your experience of going through our three different levels of, of servant leadership. Yeah, so that was, you know, um, something that I still find more and more meaning in and and really more and more gratitude that I was given this great gift of this training so early on in in working for SLI. You know, there's three different steps to this training. The first goes into a real, you know, a, a real individual self-assessment of of where you're at um, and the development of what your gifts are, looking in and finding out not only what your gifts are, but what your value is to a company, what your value is that you've always had been born with, um, and probing those questions to figure out what kind of a leader you can be to others, um, and what motivates you, what your values are, all of those things. the second stage then is to start integrating others around you and working as a team. And then the third is really coming together as a bigger community and starting to 
talk about the operations and how you function and being able to bring others, you know, serve others in the company and uh, make sure that you're also being served well as well. So through that, um, this was the first time, and again, I was, I'm in my mid to late 20s at the time, so I've never managed anybody before. I'm not coming in as a manager. I'm not coming in. All I'm coming in as is, is an individual coming into an, to an organization. So the most value that I got was in that first stage, figuring out what value I have. Um, so figuring out and being, being again, told by others um, yeah, you you are showing signs of this gift and this gift and this gift and this gift. Some I knew, um, like I always knew that I was bent toward creativity, but other things like, oh, you have signs of being a visionary and, you know, being more of a, you know, a, um, an idea man and, and all this kind of stuff. That was really, um, for me being a fairly timid, you know, shy kind of individual, it just like, you know, <laughs> boosted me up, you know. It made me feel really, really good to understand that, oh, p- other people are seeing this in me. I should probably indulge these gifts a little mm-hmm. bit more. I should open up, be open to the, the opportunity to let those gifts shine. And I found it so such an incredible uh, training approach because this was across the board. I was I was I was doing this in conjuncture with our parent company, Daytron World Communications, and a lot of uh, new hires were were coming in from there, from all different departments. That it did not matter. It was you know there were people from accounting, there were people from um, uh, you know shipping and processing and. Engineering, engineering, all this kind of stuff, and uh, you know, there's a there's an enormous difference between figuring out and indulging your gifts and indulging what you have been trained and gone to school for. Mm. And so there was a lot of people that were came in very shy and very um, you know you know non communicative because they may be in a very closed off position in a company. So in accounting or something, you know, things that you don't really need to be very vocal or, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, you know, outgoing in, you Mm -hmm. know, and uh, it was, it was through the, this investigation of other people's gifts as well that they ended up, you started seeing all these light bulbs go off in the room so individually and going, oh my gosh, yeah, this person's like incredibly, you know, their gifts are completely juxtaposed to what they're going, you know, uh, what, what they've gone to school for because maybe they were influenced by parents or other individuals to go where the money goes kind right. of thing. So, you know, all in all, it was just an, it was an incredible experience to not only see the change in myself and then to also be able to, you know, I'm incredibly lucky because I get to I get to work for SLI. So I was able to really interact with these gifts and and, and, uh, interact with what I learned in the training daily afterwards. And that's and that's the idea with the training. You 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 get built up and then you go ahead and you you do stuff with this, right, you know, with right. what you've learned. So it was great to see that individually, but it was also really great to see other people go through it too. Yeah, Brian, I really want to accentuate for our listeners a key point you made there. Servant leaders find out the gifts of those 
they lead. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it sounds very obvious, but we don't often do that. Mm-hmm. And so by you understanding more of your gifts, you help your manager, your supervisor, your leader, um, you know, collaborate with that. Like, mm-hmm. here's what I love to do. These are the things I really like. And it's through that conversation that you can grow an individual. Mm-hmm. So I really want to underline that, that uh, as we've heard Art talk about, servant leaders meet people where they are. Well, understand, where are you? You know, mm-hmm. what do you like to do? What do you love to do? What are your passions? And so that training has helped you articulate that and see that. And I can see that in you when you talk about it. It's been so fun to see the evolution of you. However, you know, you had other jobs before you started at the mm-hmm. Institute, as we all, you <laughs> yeah. know, we all have those jobs where, you know, it's not ideal. Is it? Well, no job is really perfect, but... Tell us about some of your experiences of your past jobs and work and, and the difference of that power leadership model versus servant leadership now that you've experienced really both. Yeah. So, um, you know, this this calls out, um, I think, a, a big uh, a big flaw in, in the initial approach that a lot of companies have um, with new hires, especially young individuals. I think that young individuals come into their first jobs not really knowing that they have to be their own advocates and really look to see what kind of a company they want to be working for. So my initial companies, I just needed a job, right? I needed to I needed to make some money and I needed to, you know, start my life. So there were a lot of initial jobs that I did not ask anything about the culture. I didn't figure out until much later that the culture was very volatile and, and um, you know, uh, just not a really good place to work at. And, um, and through my first couple of jobs, I started to become more and more aware and desiring of a sense of community and a sense of I wanted to be at a company. I essentially wanted to be a company man, you mm-hmm. know, like, uh, you know, uh, I wanted to I wanted to be in a company where uh, I can not only grow, but people around me had a vested interest in me and vice versa. And I wanted to have the same passion that I had for the company that I was working for kind of given back and shown that I am valued here. I am of importance in this company and I'm, I'm an integral part of it. And I wanted to be able to grow in a, in an organization. I think that that's pretty natural for everybody to want. Sure. And it just takes a little while to, to be able to know exactly that is what you want and to be able to uh, not only know that, but articulate it. And I think that I was in the knowing stage and I was just getting into the articulating stage. Mm. And it went into the job right before I went into SLI, which had the worst culture I had ever experienced. And I think anybody looking at that company would know that exact and would label it as that very same thing. Um, Very volatile bosses, um, you know, drug use in in and out of the 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 place, um, you know, just language, bullying, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, Mm -hmm. and it was, it was, uh, it was very, very debilitating to go into work every day and, and know that that's kind of your reality. Right. And, and, but know how and understand how removed you are from it and, and, and desperately seeking a way out. And, you know, it was, 
it was incredible that I went from that job directly over to a job like mm. working for the Servant Leadership Institute. So different. Because I really was looking at, okay, here's the nine behaviors of a servant leader on this side. <laughs> and then here is literally, I have a face to the names of all of the counterfeit behaviors mm. that um, was at this prior job that, that was very power, command and control, uh, like it or leave, you know, right? you know, whatever. Like, I, you know, I don't care about anything other than the bottom line. You guys are here to work. I don't care who you are. I don't care, you know, I don't care to get to know you do your job or get out, you know? And uh, the furthest thing from a healthy community that you would want to be in. So my needs were were by no means getting met there except for, okay, get another paycheck, get paycheck. At, the end of the, at the end of the week kind of thing. So it was, um, you know, a, a breath of fresh air is an understatement, you know, going into working for a company like this. So. Yeah, I mean, that's what you're talking about. I think most of us, start out with just that reality you just take the job you can get but as you grow really knowing what you're looking for so that mm -hmm. you don't keep making the same mistake and I know my best jobs I've spent a lot of time researching their cultures and asking questions in the interview that I'm checking you out as much as you're checking me out now mm -hmm. there's times where just like you say reality I got I got to take what I can get but you hopefully go beyond that, which you quickly did. And, you know, you, you course corrected and found, you know, a place that you could really flourish. And, and, you know, you're really bucking the trend because we hear about millennials only last every two years. And, and here you are four years in. And, yes, there's times when we do move on for various reasons. But I think if you can keep providing um, your younger folks uh, a direction and uh, value and, and and make them feel that they are part of things and there's a purpose, they don't naturally just want to leave that. So I don't really mm -hmm. buy into all that. Um, I know I hear the stats, but is that company really providing what you're talking about, Brian? You know, mm -hmm. that's the question to really ponder. Yeah, I think that, you know, to, to uh, agree with you on that, I don't think that anybody, regardless of what generation they're from, likes to leave something after two years. You know, in the same in the same amount of time, you're dealing with younger people that are probably going from one apartment to another in sure. a living situation. Who likes moving? Right. Nobody likes moving. <laughs> so that's the exact same thing as as being in a job. No one likes to go to interviews. No one likes to have to go into a new environment and get reacclimated with, you know, you know, trying to meet and get into a culture and, uh, you know, become friends with a whole new group of people. Nobody likes to do that. So I don't think that, yes, it is a trend. I, th I think that you need to be aware of it as a business, but you don't need to make that be an excuse right. um, to go, hey, they're only going to be here for two years, so don't get, get to know them very well because they're just going to be out the door. I think that if you really try to get to know people and really end up valuing them and uh, building that relationship, they won't go anywhere. You know, as long as they have that incentive. And that's really the thing. I think there was a quote that, that we just looked at that's about to be a, a social media post in, in the next couple of weeks. But it really, it goes into, the quote says, you know, 
are people willing and able to to follow you as a leader uh, voluntarily rather mm-hmm. than you know uh, being paid to do so? And if if you're a leader that's trying to to have people voluntarily follow you, meaning you have you have worked so tirelessly to to get to know these individuals that it doesn't matter about a paycheck, it doesn't matter about matter about anything else. They believe in the company and believe in the people that they work with and work for that they would do anything for them and that they would stay there. That's the goal. And I think that that has nothing to do with millennial, Gen Y, Gen whatever, Gen Z. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't matter. Everybody's going to want to have that too. Excellent point. So we've talked about a lot about servant leadership in the workplace, but it's one of those things that kind of can just like a river flow into different areas of your life, including yeah. your personal life. Mm-hmm. So tell us about how it's affecting your personal life. Anything you want to share in that area? Yeah, so I think that, you know, the, the, this is the tricky thing with servant leadership because unfortunately you can't have it, uh, you know, um, just stop at the door of your your workplace. I think that if you do subscribe and let these ideas and um you know, beliefs wash over you and really, you know, consume you and change you from the inside out, that's going to end up going into your family life as well and your social life. I think that I was, I had two, two lives for a long time, very Mm -hmm. autonomous from one another, where I go, well, I'm clocked out now, so I can do whatever I want. Mm. And, um, you know, it was, yes, getting more hyper aware of that, but by just my own, maturing but also through servant leadership you go okay i'm 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 saying that i believe in all of these very virtuous concepts you know um serving others first building trust you know you know uh, you know all of these things adding value and, and increasing your influence in a positive way to other people why would i then hop into a car and have the same road rage that i did you know <laughs> months ago right why would I come home and be the antisocial or my way or the highway kind of thing to my girlfriend or wife or whoever? And why would I, why would I continue to socialize and, and continue to act in ways that are contradictory to those with my friends? And it ends up changing your whole lifestyle. I mean, it, it really does because you go, okay, well, this isn't working. You know, I was I was I was really trying to do both things. I was trying to live this whatever lifestyle outside of work, and then come in and be this you know servant leadership you know you know uh, advocate, <laughs> and you know writing these writing content, and you know doing these great <laughs> videos about you know you know all this you know in, enriched lifestyle of 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 living life with a purpose, and and you really can't have have both. And it will show you eventually, and you'll have to make that decision. And that's the great thing, is that servant leadership will end up being the better option, always. It really will. And it doesn't matter how long you battle between those two things, it'll eventually win. And you'll eventually get that trump card that'll be raised by servant leadership and go, hey, um, by the way, um, I'm like way healthier for you <laughs> and your relationships are going to get like way stronger instead of breaking and falling apart and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And people will like really like to be around you and, you know, yeah. want to be able to meet up with you again and all this kind of stuff. So I think that that was, that was the struggle that was going on, but, but eventually, you know, those things kind of fall away. 
Yeah, that's why we call it the road best traveled. Yeah. And just from our experience. And, you know, speaking of your personal life, we went through something pretty dramatic a few years ago mm-hmm. together from, you know, you saying you had a kind of strange pain in your your neck or something mm-hmm. like that. I'm like, do you have a doctor? No, here, why don't you go see my doctor? Yeah. Give you a referral <laughs> and just, yeah, I'll, you know, Friday I'll go in or whatever. Next thing you know, I got a text that you were going into the hospital. Yeah. Uh, very huge turn of events there. So as we talked about in the beginning of the show, tell us more about what happened and, um, you know, through this whole event. Yeah, so, um, so the... You know, the the short of it was that I ended up um, uh, finding out that I had a a, a major aneurysm in my heart and I, needing um, immediate uh, open heart surgery. But um, to give a little context to it, I mean, I was probably at the height of my you know, healthiness. Um, you know, I was, I you was, can say it, you're I was, buffed. I was, I was crossfitting at the time. You know, I was going to the gym multiple times a week. I was running every day and then I grew up being a skateboarder. So I was always, I was always, always active mm-hmm. and never would go to the, go to the doctor. Um, I don't even think I had a primary doctor at the time and, uh, or maybe I had just gotten one. And, and so, um, it was strange that, you know, I, I ended up getting this this pain in my chest that kind of wouldn't go away, and it would it would end up radiating into my neck and in, into my jawline, and it was just so persistent and this this constant pain. And I ended up going into the emergency room, and they would give me a um, an EKG as they do, and and you know, kind of sent me on my way and say, hey, just take some extra strength Tylenol. It should go away. You may have torn some, you know, mm-hmm. torn a bicep or, uh, you know, torn something in your chest or something. And, uh, and it took, it took about a month of going in and out of emergency rooms, in and out of urgent cares and seeing my doctor a couple of times for him to go, well, you know, that's, that's a, that's kind of strange. Why don't we just go ahead and do a CT scan just in case? Um, and let's just check your neck because it's kind of strange to have pain in your neck. And so the CT technician, when he sat me down, he was supposed to only look at my neck. Well, well, luckily, um, you know, this was the first blessing was, um, he went down further South and he checked out my neck and then he ended up seeing this eight, Mm. eight centimeter dilated big ball in my in my chest right next to my heart and he goes okay so he went ahead and you know called somebody downstairs in the emergency room and and a, you know he had a doctor waiting there for me the first thing that the doctor said was okay your life's just been saved today wow and i go okay and he goes okay so you'll most likely get uh, we'll we'll have you into surgery tonight um you have an aneurysm we don't know what the cause is but uh we just got to get this thing out of you so he, you know, um, they also gave me two different scenarios of how this typically pay- plays out when they see something like this. It's either a 48-hour window, very short amount of time until the thing bursts. And then once it bursts, you can't come back from it. Um, or they have found that uh, people in my situation just kind of have this undisclosed amount of time that the, the, that the aneurysm stays intact and so they go, okay, well, seeing as how you were kind of walking around with this pain for the last month, 
Um, we think you're pretty stable. We're going to monitor you. Why don't you stay in the hospital? We'll do all the tests we can over the next week. And that's what we did. And then after that week, we did the surgery and, and I came back out. Everything was great. They ended up putting a, a, a artificial valve in, a mechanical valve. Um, so now my heart ticks all the time. And, uh, and you know, it was, it, was a, it was a pretty intense situation because I had a whole lot of people constantly around me for seven days. And then the seven days after the event, I was in the hospital. And, um, and then another two and a half months uh, back at home, um, you know, working through rehabilitation and, and getting back up on my feet again and being able to be normal. Um, but yeah, very, very intense situation for sure. Um, and, you know, thank God I had SLI at the time um, for many, many reasons. One being, you know, this really calls to, to the culture that we have here. Our number one value here is families come first. And so they not only allowed me to say, don't even think about work. Don't worry about where you're, you know, you're, uh, whether you're going to continue working here or whether we're going to, you know, just do what you got to do, and we'll, you know, we'll we'll manage without you while you're gone. Um, they not only did that, but they allowed my mom to do the exact same thing, and a lot of the coworkers that I had ended up seeing me in the hospital and and seeing how I was doing. That that was real. That wasn't that wasn't forced. That wasn't oh, okay. I gotta go see <laughs> you know to to show face you know right. or any of those kind of things. I mean, those were real bonds that I saw, and uh, and then also through working at a servant led organization and, and and understanding these concepts, you start seeing through the this new lens at everybody else around you. So I was able to monitor everybody in my own in my own servant-led way of, of how are the nurses interacting mm-hmm. with one another and with me? How's the doctor inter- interacting with me? And and you started to see servant-led cream rise to the top kind <laughs> of thing. And you just kind of took note of what you were uh, what you were seeing. I mean, these are true servants. You know, this is what they do. This is healthcare. This is, you know, this is their calling. And you could tell that there were certain people that subscribed to that idea. And there were certain people that were doing it Just for the job, the job mm-hmm. and doing it for the position and doing it for the respect and all that fun stuff. Right. Very self-serving. So it's very fascinating um, to have that dynamic as well throughout that whole process. Yeah. You had a lot of time to reflect and um, just an amazing story. And and you're doing so great as I look Mm. at you. So super fun to have that result for all of us. Mm -hmm. But um, I think one of the things that's really worth noting, um, just this, as Art says, behave the talk, is when this came about, and I talked to our founder again, Art, about this, he said, well, just do whatever they need, just serve them. Again, so yes, we're a business, and there's reality, but in that moment, taking care of your people brings so much value to everything right Mm -hmm. so that as you mentioned was not just yourself but your mom and um you know just out of the picture that Mm -hmm. you needed to do what you needed to do and we had folks donate pto to make sure there was no deficit there for you and also just you know everybody wanted to help so what can we do for carol and it's like and she really wanted to make sure her house was super clean so you had a place to come back to. So people donated money and 
found a, a house cleaner. And it's those kind of things all in the background. We don't publicize these kinds of things. It just happens when people are in a culture that they care about one another and they're allowed to express that. Yeah. And I think, you know, we saw that play out just so dramatically. Mm-hmm. And um, ah, it just, it was a lot to go through, but yeah. um, quite, quite amazing. We're so happy you're, you're doing well and, um, you know, you really change your life, right? There were the health aspects of things that you just now have to behave differently, right? Mm-hmm. Just- yeah, and, and, and going back to, you know, what you had said about art and how he, how he carried that out as the leader, you know, he could have played that out a whole lot of different ways. He could have also let you know, hey, we're probably going to need to start looking for a new marketing person. We're mm-hmm. probably going to need to start looking for people to fill in. Um, and, you know, putting the company in the best interest of the company first. Um, and he chose to go with the people. He chose to go with building and continuing to build that relationship and caring about us. And the outcome is now he's got diehard people that won't ever leave here. And that was that goes back to what we were talking about before about what what incentives are you giving people to stay here? Are you really valuing what they're doing and valuing them as people, not what they do and what they provide to the company? I mean, when I fa- when I saw all this stuff roll out, I go, "Okay, this is like where do you know where do the lines cross between you know them as people and them as my coworkers oh that's that's amazing they don't there's no they they come together and you're able to see the, you're able to see the humanism in people you're able to see how they actually are that doesn't need to be different right. than what you are as you know, the president, the CEO, the whatever, show your human side, show your vulnerability. Art always talks about that. And then also allow others to be human too. Exactly. And go through this, go through a struggle. Don't have them just hang that stuff up at the door and say, Hey, you need to perform right now. And I don't care what's going on in your life because that is the culture that people will want to get away from. You know, and so I don't ever want, you know, now I never want to leave here. I want to, I want to now pay it forward and I now want to pay it forward by doing the best job that I possibly can here because I was bestowed such an incredible gift, you know, by the, by the individuals that, that I work with and work for. Yeah, that, that's a, a great example. We're sorry it had to be so dramatic. For, yeah, well, but, it wasn't on but, purpose. It wasn't on purpose. <laughs> but in that moment, I'll never forget it, when I walked into Art's office face-to-face and I told him what was going on. And, you know, Carol has worked for him for so long, from Daytron then over to SLI. So a lot of history there and loyalty. But when I communicated what was happening and for him to have that reaction it's exact reaction I wanted him to have mm-hmm. because this is what we teach yeah um you 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 know it's about the people and so had it been any other way it would have really probably tripped me up and I was just so grateful like yes you know they need to do what they're to do and we'll figure it out mm-hmm. it wasn't easy for the rest of the team but we figured it out and that's when when your leaders are, are not perfect, right? We're we're gonna make mistakes. Totally. But those big moments like that that you gotta as as Art says, 
give grace because there's going to be times where they may not be might not be perfect but Mm -hmm. remember those moments Mm -hmm. you know they stepped up and and that was huge for all of us and uh thanks for sharing that story brian it's it's uh i i know it's a toughie i know to probably relive and go back through all those moments (laughs) of what you went through but a lot of lessons for our listeners in those so think in that story so as we look at i I do want to mention by the way um we have a free gift for our listeners mm. that want to, like you, grow as a servant leader. We have yeah. a special um, ebook that has five great leadership tips and challenges. So, mm-hmm. uh, a tip and then a challenge that you can uh, work with other people on or, or focus on a weekly basis, what have you. So, if you'll just send us uh, your email at info at uh, send us an email at info at servantleadershipinstitute.com and We'll send that ebook to you um, at the end of the program here. We'll mention that again. So anyway, just as we kind of conclude here, Brian, I want to look at any particular takeaways you want to leave with our audience as we, um, you know, look at your past four years on this traveling along, as you said, on this journey. Any particular takeaways? Yeah, I think that going back to what you know the 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 few things that we were talking about and and uh, i'd like to shed you know more light on it is you know from my position making sure that you know you get to know the people that are in your organization and and maybe they're um maybe you're already doing that but maybe you can do that with other people and and maybe branch out from your own department even um if you know that you have a really great culture within your department ask yourself is that the same is that in conjunction with the overall culture of your business are you guys the outliers or are you you know the, you know kind of you know it, it, is it really all, all all across the board and if it's not i would i would suggest try to try to branch out and ask um and get to know uh you know, other people that you may not know that well, um, especially entry-level people, especially people who are just trying to be a part of the culture and just just getting to know the culture. If you have new hires, this is huge. I think that, you know, it, you have to extend that out first. And do not allow your mind to go to places like, oh, they're only going to be here temporarily. They're only a temp. Um, they're only going to be here for three months and then they'll be gone. So why would I invest in that? No, that's a person. I mean, you really do need to call it for what it is. That's a human being that's, you know, and you have no idea the kind of gifts that that person can be holding. You have no idea how much value they can be giving to you as well. You know, anytime that you you think that you have, you know, enough friends, you're totally fine. You made all the connections that you need for you to be happy and content and all that stuff, you know, you're really doing a disservice to yourself because you're not being open and optimistic to having your mind blown really. And mm-hmm. and there's and and there's there's really, really special people in your organization, I would imagine, that that if you get to know them, it doesn't have to be on a business level. Just go out and make that first move and invite them to go grab a coffee. Invite them to go out to lunch and ask them some personal questions, not like inappropriate personal questions, but just ask that and get to know them, you mm-hmm. know, because you never really know. I'm not saying that you're going to be friends with every single one of them, but just as you have have 
shown to me as being my immediate supervisor. I mean, we have gone and you have asked me questions that, for one, I never get asked, so it helps me grow. And then you get to know things about me that that allow you to grow and see a new perspective on things. Exactly. So are there people in your organization that are in a different generation gap than you? Are there new hires there? Are there people that, are there departments that you never talk to and you don't really know why, except for your guys' uh, you know, uh, daily tasks don't really align with one another? Those are the people that I think that you can start with by going over and, and, and asking if they, you'd like to connect with them and, and build a little relationship. Such good advice, Brian. I think one of the main aha moments for me working with uh, many different millennials over the years like yourself is, you know, merging leaders and young people is just that they have a lot to offer. And, you know, growing up in my generation, it just were to almost stay quiet until you've earned your stripes to speak or something like that. That's such nonsense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, um, like yourself, you've just opened my eyes to a lot of different perspectives and things. And, and so be open, no matter mm-hmm. what your age, I think, is, is just wise to, um, you know, learn from other people. They don't have to be older than you to learn from them or, or more experienced or however you look at it. Just, I think, like you're saying, Brian, be open to asking questions and listening and mm-hmm. uh, listen to understand, as we said. And another great behavior we teach that I think you're uh, you know, really emphasizing here is just be courageous. Yeah. Go talk to somebody that you normally wouldn't talk to. Totally. So much wisdom here from you today. And we thank you so much for sharing your story with us and, um, you know, just opening your heart to us and letting everybody see, you know, what, a, as I said, an awesome human being you are. And it's just been so fun to see you on this journey. It, it makes my job for sure. <laughs> <laughs> And I want to emphasize to everybody again that um, we do have that special gift for all of you, a free ebook on uh, with five ideas on how to grow as a servant leader. Each tip includes a challenge for you. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool the way it's developed. And all you have to do is send us an email to info at servantleadershipinstitute.com. And Brian will send you a free copy. Yeah, definitely. If you want to uh, make sure that in your in the subject header of that email, just say five ideas and I'll know exactly what you're talking about. Perfect. And thanks for listening, everyone. We sure appreciate your support. Make sure you subscribe to our our, uh, our channel, our podcast channel. That really helps us. Yeah, definitely. I'm really excited, guys, because I'm able to tell you about the fact that we are now on Spotify. So if any of you guys that are listening are advocates of Spotify, that's the main thing that I do, um, listen listen to uh, with music and podcasts. But we're now on that platform as well. So um, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify now, and our uh, our proprietary Podbean. So... Uh, Super popping channel, yeah. yeah. We're excited about that. It's great. All right. Well, thanks, Brian, again. And Thank you so much. Take care, everybody. Okay, bye. Hey, everyone. Just wanted to give you a few quick announcements before we go. First off, as stated before, we have a free gift for you. To receive this gift, email us at info at servantleadershipinstitute.com with the subject title of five ideas. Also, we are proud to announce that we are now on Spotify. Listen to us and be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. 
And finally, we have some great new digital products in our web store. Head on over to ServantLeadershipInstitute.com to check them out. We hope you like this episode and thank you once again for allowing us to add value to your day.